Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he often does, staring off into space because he's trying not to uh, smirk at me, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Check, chickity check, chickity one, two, three. <laughs> okay, then. I'm a little... Okay. All right, let's start with, off with a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Joseph. It says, Hi there, Chris and Jonathan. This is Joseph from Dorchester, Ontario again. I had an idea and I thought it would be cool for you guys to cover in a blog post or podcast, which you've probably already guessed from the title of my email, Fiber Optics. I'm sure you get 10 emails a day asking for a podcast on fiber optics, but I looked through the list several times and wasn't able to find a podcast on the topic. I have a special interest in this type of data transport because I have heard that my my town might be getting some fiber optic lines installed in the near future. I have also seen television shows about installing fiber optic lines along the Pacific coast of North America to link up to Canada and the U- to link up Canada and the USA with the Central and Southern Americas, but they didn't really cover exactly how they would work. Of course, everyone knows more or less how fiber optics work, especially since they have almost made the width of the hu- human hair a standard unit of measurement. However, I, and I am sure many of your listeners, would like to know exactly how they work, as well as if they are really as good as they are touted as being. Maybe you could also talk about other comparable technologies that we can look forward to. Uh, and I'm going to truncate the rest of his email. He goes on a little bit more, talks about how great we are, but you guys know that already. <laughs> we all know how great we are. So let's just go right into so. fiber optics. Okay. So the width of a human hair. Hey, I think someone's knocking on our ceiling. Um, oh, what a feeling when knocking someone's knocking on the, on the ceiling. All right. Let's, uh, let's try that again. So fiber optics. Yes. Uh, in short, it's uh, a long, thin wire of glass. Yep, and it has a, a couple of different coatings on it that yep. allow light to pass through this this long wire of glass, mm-hmm. um, and it can go pretty far away without any degradation. And then uh, you have a something on the other end that detects the light. That's that, the very basic system of a fiber optic uh, line. Yeah. Now it has to be a very very special glass. Yes. You couldn't just basically melt down your window panes and stretch them out. Um, no, that would be a very bad idea. Yeah, and it would get cold at night. Yeah, um, and things could get inside. Like bears. And bats. So anyway. Other monsters that begin with B. Beholders. <laughs> berserkers. Ooh, no, I don't want any berserkers in the bedroom. No. no. So anyway. <laughs> anyhow. That's the sitcom. No, no, no. It's a it's a very, very optically pure Glass. Yes. It has to be made in a very uh, controlled environment in order for it to be extremely pure. And the reason why it needs to be extremely pure is because uh, the light that is carrying the signals has to be able to to reach as far as it can. Now, that's the thing. I mean, regard there there are a number of different ways to transmit information mm-hmm. in a fiber optic line, but without having a very pure medium. In this case, the the uh, extremely pure optical glass. Um, it's not going to get very far without help. Right. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about fiber optics in general, and then we can sure. talk about the, the process of making a fiber optic line, which is actually pretty fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Um, so a fiber optic is made up, a uh, fiber optic line is made up of three parts. Mm-hmm. You've got the core, 
which is the the, the glass. glass itself. Yeah, that's that's what the light passes through. Uh, around the core, you have the cladding, mm-hmm. and the cladding is a reflective coating. It's that's what allows the light to bounce around inside the fiber optic line. So when you shine a light down a fiber optic line, it's reflecting off of this this coating and moving further down the line until it reaches the other end. Yeah, we can get more into that in a minute. And then around the cladding, you have the buffer coating, which is a plastic coating, and that's what that's just protection. Mm-hmm. It protects the fiber from any sort of damage. And uh, these these glass wires are so thin that they are actually flexible. You can um, use these to 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 wire a uh, a connection that requires uh, cornering and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're careful with it. Uh, you can actually bend this stuff without having to worry about it breaking. Now, that doesn't mean that it's unbreakable. It is breakable. Oh, no, it's quite breakable. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are careful with it, you can actually uh, corner with this stuff, which is good because otherwise it would not be nearly as useful if you had to do a straight line-to-line kind of connection. Yeah, that's the whole thing with the cladding. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, light travels in a straight line. Yep. So Crazy, if you get it? to a curve... What are you gonna do? Yeah, well, the that's light, the light the would just pass. For. Yeah, otherwise the light would just pass right out of the the line, and it wouldn't get to the other end, and you wouldn't have any information. Yeah, the cladding f- functions is sort of a imagine yourself in a tunnel, if you will, that is completely surrounded, uh, like you're walking through a mirrored tunnel. Mm-hmm. That you know, in this case, you would be the light source. Right. And as soon as you get to a curve, uh, you would go straight into the wall, bounce off the mirror, and then bounce off. The, the opposite side again down the line. So that allows the light to continue to travel through the fiber optic line. Right. Another way to think about it is get like five friends together. Each, uh, uh, you know, three of those friends are holding mirrors and you put one of your friends at, uh, uh, you know, at the other end of say, um, uh, an obstacle course or mm-hmm. whatever. And you set the three friends so that each one's in line of sight of, the of the one person in front of them and the person behind them. Mm-hmm. So you're at the very front of the line. You can see one person. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. You can see your friend. We'll call him Josh. Okay. So Josh Creepy Hands Clark is holding oh, a no. uh, he's holding a mirror. All right. So you have a flashlight and you can see Josh. Now Josh he has a direct line of sight to you and the next person who is Chuck. Okay. Who's awesome. And Chuck is also holding a mirror. And then uh, uh, Chuck can see Josh and can see the person. On the next step down the line, which we'll say is um, Tyler. So Tyler's got a mirror, all right? And Tyler can see Chuck and can see Chris, who's at the other end. I light up my flashlight, aim it over at Josh Creepy Hands Clark, who then tilts the mirror in such a way so that the light bounces off and goes toward Chuck. Chuck aligns his mirror so that he catches that light and it bounces off and moves toward Tyler. Tyler then manipulates his mirror so it catches the light and manipulates it toward Chris. And then Chris can see the light that I am shining, even though we're not in a direct path. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I turn that flashlight on and off, Chris will see the light going on and off. I could actually communicate this way if both Chris and I knew Morse code. However, since neither of us do know Morse code, or at least I don't know Morse code, I would just be babbling uh, complete nonsense, which is, okay, granted, par for the course. But... It wouldn't even spell out words, mm-hmm. but you could if both people knew Morse code, which uh, that's kind of the basis in a very. It's a very simplified. Anal- yeah, a very version. Yeah, simplified version of what is happening in a fiber optic system. You know, there are there are two different types of 
uh, fiber optic lines. One is the single mode, which has a smaller core and it uses an, uh, a laser light, an infrared laser to transmit information. Yes, laser. I knew you were going to do that. And the other one is the multi-mode fiber, which uh, has a larger core, uh, but it uses uh, uh, LEDs. Yes, a light-emitting diode. Yes, to uh, to transmit information. Yeah. And uh, there there actually is a – you can use a plastic cord version, which also uses an LED, but it, it uses the uh, visible spectrum right. red light. But that, you know, that doesn't seem to be nearly as common as the glass core uh, fiber optic lines. Now – when we're talking about things like infrared light, that's light that has a, a shorter wavelength than visible light. Yeah. All right. And in general, the shorter the wavelength of light, the further it will go on a fiber optic line on its own. Yes. Um, without degrading because light signals will degrade over distance. Uh, and in general, the distance that most companies use to measure the degrading effect is, uh, the kilometer. Mm-hmm. So you say how many, you know, how how much of a percentage of the light will you lose after a kilometer's worth of of cable? Oh, we should also right. mention that these these individual fiber optic threads mm-hmm. are often bundled together in a jacket to make oh, a cable. True. So you actually have hundreds or even thousands of these fiber optic lines all bundled together. Which isn't really a, it sounds like a lot, but if you think about it, if they're all essentially the diameter of a human hair, you can bundle thousands of these in a reasonably small cable and uh, use that to transmit an awful lot of bandwidth. And I have to agree with Joseph. The human hair measurement <laughs> is really annoying for those of us who are follically challenged. Well, you know, it also depends on the hair. Yeah, in my human. case, it's an imaginary number. Oh, right. So, like 11 to 12? Or like N. Right. Um, but, so mine is in diameter. But that's the thing. If, if the glass inside the core of a fiber optic line is not pure enough, the signal is going to start degrading. Faster. Even faster. Or, yeah. Um, and there is something that you can do about that. Yes. Um, there are far, four parts to a fiber optic system. Mm-hmm. Um, the transmitter and the receiver, well, I mean, those... That's, that's either themselves. end. That's yeah, either that, end. That would be the guy with the flashlight and the guy looking in, yeah. in my other very simple example. And then you got the fiber. Okay, again, that makes sense. Yep, that's the actual cable. But in the cases where you have very, very long connections, like, I don't know, if you were trying to connect North America to South America, yeah. to use our example. Or Canada, eh? Oh, stop. You're going to get more emails about that. I love the Canadians. <laughs> I do. I love them. You You like taunting them? I have to tell you, okay... Apart from my wife, some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen were in Toronto. Okay. That is no joke. Okay. So guys, if you're looking for like beautiful women, Toronto. Okay. So if you were trying to hook up North America and South America yeah, using you know fiber optic we're talking about hooking up, cables, right? With Toronto? Yeah. You would need an optical regenerator, which is... Uh, oh, we're back to this. Yes. Okay. Uh, more or less... Uh, and functions sort of like an amplifier. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Actually, an optical regenerator, the first time I saw that term, now in my mind, I thought, oh, this must be a uh, a device in the middle of the line that interprets the light and then emits the light on its own. Like, mm-hmm. you know, something that's actually receiving the light and then transmitting the same message, but with at full power. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly what's happening. What's no. really happening is that they introduce certain elements into the fiber optic line at a particular distance. It's called doping. 
Yes. All right. Now, doping is the same sort of thing in a in a sense that you use with semiconductors that let semiconductors do what they do. Right. It's when you insert certain impurities in a very controlled fashion to change the behavior of that particular substance. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, the doping creates this uh, this material that when the laser light hits it, mm-hmm. it energizes the material, which then emits the same light further down the line. Right. The molecules of the substance used to coat the line function as lasers. This blows my mind. I know. It's fascinating. It I'm is, really glad you asked it because pretty, I found that out and I'm, I'm, it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this was one of those things I did not know about fiber optics nope. before I started to really research this topic for the podcast. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the special coating that when it absorbs the light, it then emits the, uh, the laser light so that you have a strong signal all the way down. So, you know, at periodic points along the line, you introduce this doping to make sure that the signal that you put in one end will come out the other end. Mm-hmm. And we should go ahead and say that the receivers, when they receive a light, they're essentially – remember that information is in bits, right? Zeros and ones. Right. So how would you transfer light into zeros and ones? What would be the easiest way? Well, the easiest way is to turn it on and off. There you go. If the light's flickering on and off, I mean, we're talking like super fast flickering on and off, and you have a very sensitive sensor on the other end that can detect when it's on and off, there's your zeros and ones. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can transmit information. And you're doing it literally at the speed of light. And all you have to do is, you know, plug the cable in one end into the other, and you don't have to worry about whether or not it's going to get there because it's going to get there. Yeah. Well, assuming there's no damage to the line, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Be careful. Um, Call before you dig. <laughs> so here's some uh, here's some other interesting information about fiber optics. Okay. Uh, reasons why you might want fiber optics as opposed to, say, something like copper wire to carry your information. Okay. Uh, copper wire, for one thing, is mm-hmm. expensive. It is expensive. I mean, copper is not as plentiful as we as we would like. So it's uh, it's it's a precious commodity, really. Mm-hmm. And to you know, and the other problem is that. You need a lot of it if you're going to create information lines. And then, of course, you know, you have the whole mining, which is a pretty, uh, pretty invasive yeah, procedure. There's, yeah, it's also, that's, that's a problem. Also, um, it generates heat because yep. electricity moving through, a current moving through a copper wire will generate heat. Yes, it will. Um, but. Which optical, is not a problem with optical lines. Exactly. And it also generates radio frequencies, uh, because electric currents can create uh, interference. Uh, if your sheathing around a copper wire is too weak, you can get these radio frequencies emitted as the current is moving through the wire, which mm-hmm. means that you can get interference. If you have too many uh, too many connections all in one area mm-hmm. or too many wires all in one area, uh, the, the information moving through one can start causing interference the, uh, for another wire. This is kind of like, uh, why you get like a, uh, let's say you have a cell phone mm-hmm. and you receive a phone call and you happen to have that cell phone next to a speaker that has really poor sheathing. Mm-hmm. That's where you get the noise. Yeah. Uh, where that's the interference that's coming through the speaker wire, uh, because it's generated by the, the cell phone. Well, with optic fiber optics, you don't have that problem. If your cell phone goes off next to a fiber optic line, there's no interference with that fiber optic line mm-hmm. because it's not, it's not reliant upon radio frequencies. It's right. not going to affect the behavior at all. Excellent. It also can hold, uh, hold more bandwidth. Yep. Than a, a copper line can. Yep. And so you start thinking about this like, okay, wait, it's cheaper. It, 
there's no interference. It can carry more information. Uh, you're not going to lose your signal as much as you would with other forms of uh, transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It doesn't require a lot of power. It's great for transmitting digital information because, again, you're talking about zeros and ones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's flexible. It's lightweight. What? Why would a company not use fiber optics? Why would they be so slow to install fiber optics? I can tell you why. Why? Because it costs money to install that stuff, and you have to send crews back out to dig up the grass again. Bingo. So yeah. here's the here's the real issue. It's not that fiber optics aren't great or cheap or efficient. The problem is that we already have a lot of these systems in place using older technology, yep. and it costs a lot of money to rip all a lot of money and a lot of time to rip all that stuff out and replace it with a new system. Which is why fiber optic lines are pretty still pretty rare in the United States. Yes. I mean, there are different there are cities that have a very very you know strong fiber optic presence, like the fiber optics uh, from the curb all the way to the home, mm-hmm. but. Um, I would say for the majority of the United States, that's not the case. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, but it is, it is an option, you know, and it's some, it's starting to roll out. Yeah. I mean, people are demanding more bandwidth. So mm-hmm. before long, you're going to have a lot of companies, a lot of ISPs saying that fiber optics are definitely a, a good investment because otherwise, I mean, eventually you're going to have companies say, you know what? If they're not going to provide the fiber optics to their customers, there's an area of opportunity for us. If we move in there and we're willing to build the infrastructure that we need, we can steal all those customers away because we can provide something that the other company can't. Yep. So ultimately, I think we will be moving more to a, a, a fiber optics infrastructure throughout the United States. Um, I still think it's going to take a while, especially in regions where competition is practically non-existent. I mean, yeah. in my neighborhood, that's pretty much the case. You you have your choice of one major ISP or nothing, mm-hmm. uh, unless you want to go uh, wireless with WiMAX. Yeah, which you know that's a totally different animal because you're not using cables at all in that case. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's, I, I mentioned that we, you know, t- it might be interesting to talk a little bit how, about how they make fiber optic threads. I thought I'd kind of walk through the, um, the process because it is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And we actually have a, a, a pretty detailed write up about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a great article on how fiber optics work on howstuffworks.com. So if you want to uh, look into this uh, more thoroughly and see some really cool illustrations that help you visualize what's going on. Yeah. I highly recommend it. All right. But first what they start with is a gas deposition system, a modified mm-hmm. chemical vapor deposition system, MCVD. So you've got uh, these materials that are all in liquid format. You gasify them and you move them into a tube where they then kind of um, combine and coalesce and you use a, a – it's actually in a lathe so it turns. Mm-hmm. You've got a, a flame on that lathe and – it's a, a fairly complicated chemical process, but you're using silicon chloride and germanium chloride. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually this forms um, silicon dioxide and germanium dioxide. And then together these uh, two chemicals form deposits within the lathe. And that ultimately is what makes the glass. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a wire yet. It's it's a sort of a cylinder of glass. Yeah, and, so it uh, has to be basically uh, extruded out into a long, thin fiber. Right. So what they do is they put the the cylinder of glass, this this very pure glass, mm-hmm. um, into uh, 
it's kind of like a little oven. Yeah. It heats it up and it makes the end of it kind of bead up until it grows large enough for gravity to pull it downward. Mm-hmm. So then it starts to droop and it pulls behind it a very thin thread of glass. Right. Now you feed this through a very special system of, uh, of, of guiding devices mm-hmm. all the way down into a tractor, what they call a tractor. It's just a simple gear that will pull the thread in a very uh, regular way. And it can actually react to how thick or thin the thread is at any particular time to make certain that you have a uniform thickness once it gets to the end. Now, when you're putting it through these little guides, the guides help shape the wire to make sure it's the right thickness. Mm -hmm. And you use uh, lasers to measure the thickness of that wire along the pathway to make certain that you've got the right length. That, those readings are what tell the tractor how quickly to turn. Mm-hmm. And they can turn pretty fast. Um, you know, I think it's something like 16 to 33 revolutions per second. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty fast. So, uh, but it has to be pretty precise. Yes. Yeah. Pretty it, has precise. To be. it has to be extremely precise yes. in order for it to, uh, to because, be, you know, the right diameter and the, you know, the right, right quality of the glass. They have to be very careful how they do this. Yeah. You want the diameter to be as precise as possible so that you can use the correct wavelength of light mm-hmm. through the, the fiber optic line. Otherwise, again, you're going to have some real problems with the signal degrading um, over a shorter distance than you had anticipated. Yeah. So once you're done with this process, one cylinder of this stuff can create more than 1.4 miles of fiber optic thread. Wow. Because that's how we're talking about the thickness of a human hair. So uh, taking a cylinder of glass and reducing it to that thickness, mm-hmm. obviously the length is going to be quite impressive. And 1.4 miles is – that's long. Yeah. 2.2 kilometers to our friends in Europe <laughs> and overseas. So um, that's your basic rundown of fiber optics. Uh, I. It is a really good system for carrying information. Um, and it has other applications too. Yeah. I mean, it's used in, in, uh, well, a lot of medical applications. Sure. Um, and, uh, actually I believe, uh, that my plumber, as he was trying to figure out exactly what was clogging the line, uh, to the sewer from my house, used a fiber optic line to see what was going on. As it turned out, there were roots growing in my pipes. Radical. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Nice. I was feeling a little rancid there. Uh, apparently you were. Okay, so that was a reference. Yeah, that was, was not an inside joke. No. Just wanted to point that a out. punk rock thing. Yeah, it is a punk rock thing. Well, uh, hopefully that answers your question, Joseph, about the fiber optics. I think, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed our article on the site. You know, I, yeah, it's excellent. It really is really good. It really is. It's one of the stronger, stronger articles. I mean, we have a lot of great articles on the site, but this one, uh, you can tell was there was a lot of care and research put into this particular one. So um, I was very impressed. Uh, so, yeah, definitely go and check it out. If, you, if you're interested in learning more about fiber optics, you can read more about the, the detailed process of how they, they build fiber optic lines and mm-hmm. the different uses and uh, applications. And uh, I guess that leads us to our second round of listener mail. This listener mail comes from Timothy, who says, Hey, John and Chris, I love solving the Rubik's Cube, and then it occurred to me that I had no idea how they work. Could you explain how the Rubik's Cube works, especially variants like the 4x4x4 and the 5x5x5? Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. 
Well, Timothy, better than explaining how a Rubik's Cube works, I would like to recommend to you a podcast called The Stuff of Genius, because recently The Stuff of Genius focused on Erno Rubik, inventor awesome. of the Rubik's Cube, among other puzzles. Um, so check that out. Watch that video. And uh, I think, um, you know, it doesn't go into real strong detail about how the Rubik's Cube itself works, but it does give you an indication of, you know, where Rubik was coming from when he started to design this crazy thing that ended up being a huge fad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, as for solving Rubik's Cubes, oh, dear Lord, I, I, I was hopeless. I was one of those people who would slowly peel the stickers off. <laughs> and then put them on the different faces. Yeah. Well, you could have been one of the people that took them apart. Um, yes, I've seen I, that too. I've seen that too. Yeah. Essentially, uh, there, essentially there's a, a ball in the center and the centerpieces are static. They don't really move. It's the right. pieces that move around them on channels with ball bearings in them that get, get the pieces where they need to go. Right. And so it's just a, the four by four by four and the five by five by five. That was just yeah. a larger ball. Yeah. With more ball bearings in it and that's pretty it. neat yeah i've actually seen a really cool video about how to solve a rubik's cube and it talks about the algorithms there's you have algorithm. to follow yeah there's Once actually several it. algorithms really um yeah there's several depending on uh, you have a you have several that you follow in order to get certain squares in certain locations and if you follow that series of algorithms, then you will always be able to solve the Rubik's Cube. Now, granted, the way the guy was flipping this Rubik's Cube around in his yeah. hands was like, I was like, you need Slow to go slower down. for the liberal arts majors in the audience. Oh, nice. No, I, I, I'm a liberal no, arts, I, I was too. a liberal arts major. I'm saying that as, you know, slow down people. <laughs> I don't think in three dimensions. Yeah, I've I, said this before. Personally, I find it puzzling. Haha. <laughs> Well, he's quite the enigma, Mr. Pellett. So we're going to uh, wrap this up now. Okay. If any of you have any email that you would like to send us, our address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Remember, we have a live show every Tuesday, 1 p.m. That is, uh, you can find the, the link to that on our blog, which if you want to find the blog, where would they go to find the blog, Chris? That would be blogs.howstuffworks.com. Right. That is the direct URL. I always tell people just to go to howstuffworks.com and follow the links on the right-hand side. But if you want to go straight there, blogs.howstuffworks.com. Well, and you can also check out uh, all the other blogs that are here, not just ours. Yeah, we, we have, have there's plenty, some good ones. Yeah. Plenty of I mean, cool stuff on there. There are people who write stuff, and it's good. <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're into good stuff. Okay. No, there's, there are lots and lots of really good blogs on there. So check it out if you haven't stopped by give it a try i think you might enjoy it and if you don't you can write to stuff podcast <laughs> at howstuffworks.com and chris and i will talk to you again really soon for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com and be sure to check out the new tech stuff blog now on the howstuffworks homepage Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?